Hey, Ringers, welcome to the Put a Ring on a Podcast, where we are all about sharing helpful and practical tips for anyone and everyone that's out there planning a wedding. Hi, I'm Dan Moyer of Daniel Moyer Photography. And I'm Danielle Pasternak, wedding planner of DPNAC Events. What are we talking about today, Dan? Today, Danielle, we are talking about best practices for communicating with your wedding pros. So, Danielle, why are we talking about this today? Is there something that's just like floating around the space of our spaces that we like need to talk about this and bring this up? (laughs) You mean, did I specifically text you and say, I think this is a topic we should really cover on the podcast because I'm (laughs) seeing it a lot? (laughs) What are you seeing a lot of? Well... So much of planning a wedding is done via email. It's done by like filling out contact forms on websites when couples are reaching out to their vendors and doing all these different things. And I think when you're specifically working on different categories, there is a certain amount of research that's happening in the early phases of all of that, where you're reaching out, you're gathering information, you're trying to find out maybe about pricing or getting a range just to see if that vendor is within the budget that you've designated for that category. And it can be a lot. There's a lot of emails that are kind of flying back and forth. It's scheduling phone calls. It's scheduling Zoom calls. There's a lot of things that happen um, in the, the time leading up to when you're talking with them. And then... Once a decision is made, what I see that can happen sometimes, and this isn't, I'm not saying this in a way to like shame any of my clients or do anything like that, but sometimes it's easy to forget, oh, I need to get back to that person that we are not going to be going with or that company or companies that we're not going to be going with to kind of like close the loop for them. Yeah. What you're talking about is like the initial sort of like, you know, you're looking at different wedding pros, you're trying to get everybody, um, and you're trying to get pricing and all that kind of stuff. You're trying to make a decision. And then you make the decision on, I'm going to go with this one wedding pro, but all these other people who you emailed and talked to and whatever, you just never get back to them. So they're, they're left hanging in limbo. Am I hearing that right? Exactly. Way to sum it up better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, well, I think my question was really, really broad, but I think really, really. Um, there was a Reddit thread about this and it was people like in both camps where mm-hmm. a lot of people were saying... Um, like it's a business. Like I don't have to follow up with all these people. Like I'm not going with them. Like it's it is what it is. But then there were other people who were saying, you know, I, uh, you know, I reached out with them. I had a conversation with them. I felt like it was my duty to say, like, hey, we're going with somebody else because, you know, especially a lot of wedding pros were chiming in saying, you know, we hold hold quote unquote dates mm-hmm. for different couples as we're talking with them or whatever. And if you fall off and somebody else inquires about that same date. It's like, well, is that couple still looking at that date or still considering me? What do I do here in this situation? Right. I mean, honestly, I don't want to say both folks are right in that sense, but there's truth in on both sides of it. I think I tend to fall more on the side of when you're just kind of reaching out for initial bits of information, if you just fill out a general form, they send some information back. I don't necessarily know that there's a massive obligation on the couple's part yeah. to then get back to that person. Unless the there's a question asked or there's a, hey, you know, any type of inclination that like, hey, I'm, hol- I'm putting like a soft hold on this date until I hear back from you. Yep. But 
when you start getting into the the phases where you're scheduling initial calls or, or Zoom conversations and you're taking things a little bit further than that first initial email, then to me, I think it's kind of just about treating the other people how you like to be treated and, and getting back to them to a certain degree. I don't necessarily think that it's happening. It, it feels like ghosting, right? That's yeah. that's kind of yeah. that's kind of what we call it. And I experience this too, um, not with the clients that I'm working with, but people and couples that I've talked with and sent proposals out to, and then they just kind of don't get back. And I get yep. things take time, but even after a few follow ups, it's kind of it's complete crickets. And it's like, oh, okay, which is fine. It's not that it's not that it hurt my feelings. It's exactly what you said. It's that I'm not. I don't want to say yes. I'm available on that date if somebody else reaches out. If it's still something that you're considering, I'm not yeah. sure if I should say, hey, somebody else is reaching out about this date. To me, that has the potential to come across as really salesy, though sometimes yep. I've had had to do it when that is just the case. But you don't want it to feel scummy or, or, or gross or anything like that. So it's really tricky to navigate it in a way that feels respectful to everyone's time. Yeah. And and yeah, it gets, it gets really tricky. But I, I think... I really don't think it comes from any place on the most on the whole. It doesn't come from a place of malice or trying to be like, screw you, I don't want to yep. get back to you. That's <laughs> not what it is. It's it's you're busy. Like I said, you're you're emailing, you're reaching out to a bunch of different people and you sometimes it's just hard to keep track of everybody you touch base with. So yeah, I I get it. But it's also not okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's like this like sliding scale where mm -hmm. you said it right. It's like, okay. Somebody reached out to me. They're just asking for pricing or whatever. I send my pricing or whatever back. And sometimes I just don't hear from people. And that's okay. And I'm I'm okay with not hearing back from somebody in that space because like either I was out of their price range or just I'm not what mm -hmm. they're looking for or whatever it is. You know, and it's also just not fun to be like, hey, you're out of my budget or something like that. Like that's just not a fun thing to have to admit to somebody. Um, you know, it's just not. And so I'm okay with that. And then I think there's like this period where you start emailing back and forth, you set up the meeting, which is usually my next thing where let's have this kind of discovery call and see if we're a good fit for each other. And you've got my pricing, we've talked already. And that's the point where I'm either looking for a yes, we're going with you or no, we're not. Um, right. Because it's at that point where I know like, okay, you're serious about potentially using me to photograph your wedding. And now, if other people are coming in, now I'm holding off on responding to those emails because I actually met with you and I know you're serious about this. And if somebody doesn't get back to me on that after that meeting, it's like, I'm, what do I do? Because mm -hmm. you know, it might take you a month to decide, oh, I really want to go with Dan. But like, if it's taking you that whole month-long period of time and there's other people inquiring, I potentially am losing out on that business of people inquiring right. if you don't go with me. It's a very... Right very weird place to be in. <laughs> I know. It's also something where I think the sales end of the wedding industry is unique in the sense that sometimes couples are making really quick decisions. Sometimes they need to kind of talk with family members who are contributing financially or just want to talk with family members. Sometimes yep. it needs to be a little bit of a bigger discussion and you can't just make a decision overnight. Sometimes we're talking about thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. And yep. those are those are big gut decisions for a lot of us. And it's not as simple as saying, yep, I want those sneakers and and, you know, wrap them up, you know, put a bow on it. It's, <laughs> it's a little it's a little bit more of a conversation. We get that. I think as wedding professionals, we understand that it's not necessarily that there's we're asking for this pressure of like, make a decision, tell us what you want to do. What I think I'd want to unpack is the fact that I think it feels scary to couples to have to say, I don't like you. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> oh, that's, that's what it feels ooh, like it's ooh, coming across right. as. Right. right. Like, I think, like I said, I don't think people are ghosting out of malice. I think they're doing it as the, like, what feels like the easiest way to not address that, like, we're not a good fit. That yeah. doesn't mean that either person is bad in that situation or wrong or or that anything should change. It's just fact. Okay, let me let me speak specifically to that because I'm thinking of like, like I've been doing this for over 10 years, 13, 14 years now, if you're mm-hmm. listening to this in real time. And I know you've been around the same, about the same time. Like I've gotten rejected hundreds of times, right? Like that happens all the time. Yeah. Um, the times where I don't hear from somebody or where I've like, met with somebody and don't hear from them hurt more on a personal level, which I sh- you're not supposed to take it personally because it's business, but it hurts more than like when somebody's like, hey, thanks so much for meeting with us. Uh, we're going in a different direction. Yes. Awesome. Totally fine. I'm so happy for you. I can open yes. up that date, check you off my list, right? And you've got to be the same way. So use you could steal those words directly from me if you're meeting and talking with a bunch of people which i think is important you do do that do that dude you you do that oh throwing the doo-doo yeah (laughs) yeah you do do that um because you want to meet with a bunch of different people and talk with them and see who's a good fit that when you you know put that chopping block out there it is a-okay to use those exact words you know thank you so much for meeting with us um we're going in another direction done exactly i can't even begin to tell you, I am so not happy. I mean, not that I'm happy to receive those emails, but the respect and like courtesy that that feels, I am so happy to say, thank you for letting me know. I'm so happy you found a good fit for what you were looking for. And I wish you all the best. Like it's, we're good. Like it's, 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 I think it does matter how you word that email. Like Dan said, like you, in my opinion, you don't need to get into specifics about, um, you know, I didn't like how you did this, or I don't like this, or this other person does this and you don't. I don't know that you necessarily need to unpack all of that with yep. them. I think it's fair just to say exactly what you said. I think that is a perfect time to keep it short and sweet, clear, kind, short, sweet, <laughs> all, all of those things. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Um, okay, so if we're moving past the, like the initial consultation, mm-hmm. initial discussion, how I really have two sort of questions is like one – because I think that this is a, an organization issue. There's just so many emails that are coming into people's lives. And it's like if you're not organized or maybe if they're like mishmashed in your regular work email account, that's too much. And then as we get closer to the wedding, like what are some other ways that couples can you know, make sure they're communicating and making those decisions and that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite tips is when you're at more of the early stages of the wedding planning is to make either a joint wedding email Mm. or a dedicated email address just for the wedding. Sometimes folks that are um, potentially changing their last name or their name after the wedding happens will just create a new email with the new like first new last name (laughs) um, so that then they will just transition to using that once the once the wedding happens. I don't necessarily know that that's necessary, but having a dedicated email sometimes helps with weeding through all of the like 
J. Crew sale emails and Crate and Barrel. I'm getting so many Crate and Barrel emails right now. It's ridiculous. I ordered one thing from them. Well, more than more than one thing, but now they just they know my number and they keep on sending emails my way. But it helps to kind of weed through all of that, and it gives you a little bit more, hopefully, of a less cluttered, less busy inbox that you're not necessarily having to weed through all the promotional things in the same way. So when you go into your email, you can clearly see what you need to take action on, mm. what needs a reply. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Like the amount of, now that I'm thinking back, the amount of couples that I email who like, you know, in their contract, it'll have the same email for both of them. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, B&B wedding or something like yep. that uh, at yep. Gmail. And I'm like, that is yep. such a smart idea because then you've got it all in one place and you can make folders like, you know, here's all the photographers we talked to. Here's the, oh, ooh, you're getting that exciting organization brain. Danielle's like, yeah. Oh, I love it. Organization. Give it to me. <laughs> you can make lots of folders for like the different wedding pros that you're reaching out to and the vendors and venues and all this kind of stuff and stay hyper organized. Yeah, I'm a big fan of folders. I use folders in when working with my clients because for me, I'm an <laughs> inbox zero person. So mm-hmm. I try to make sure that my inbox is, if not completely cleared out, mostly cleared out at the end of each day so that I know exactly what I need to take action on, who needs to hear back from me. All those different what does that things. Feel like? It's my favorite thing. <laughs> I know you don't don't know what it feels. I'm, like. I'm really actually working on that because I got to inbox zero, like all flags gone, and mm-hmm. all like unread messages or all read messages were like at zero, and everything I needed to respond to because I had an insane amount when I came back from vacation. And I was like, I'm doing it. I'm getting all the way down to zero. And then now it's like back up. And it's like the more emails I send, it feels like the more I get back. <laughs> so I'm just like. <laughs> Like just in denial. <laughs> yeah, it is It is a little bit like doing the laundry. If you don't do the laundry for weeks, the, the task of doing laundry becomes really daunting and insurmountable. Mm. If you do your laundry regularly, it's, it's a chore, but it gets done. Um, so I think it's kind of about making it a practice. I, again, I don't, I don't know that inbox zero is necessarily the, you know, quote unquote goal for everybody. I think it's just making sure that when you go into your email inbox, that it's not stressing you, that you're using it as a tool and not something that is draining your energy source because Mm. then wedding planning becomes not fun and it becomes stressful. And then that stress leaks into your relationships and your work life. And that's, we don't want that. Can we talk about like, as you lead up to the wedding, well, it seems like the beginning, there's a lot of, a lot of emails and all that kind of stuff, beginning and planning. Middle's like this, the, the lull, and there's a huge like influx as you get towards the wedding day. And it's not just email. It's like questionnaires, phone calls, emails, in-person things, like visits, all that kind of stuff. Can we talk about that for a little bit? Just what thoughts do you yeah. have on that? <laughs> oh, I have so many thoughts. Couples, I feel you. Um, I'm a vendor category that because of how I work with my couples, I see a lot of how a bunch of different vendors work in all different categories. Yeah, And I do this consistently. I do this regularly. And even I sometimes I'm like, what program am I logging into to fill out this DJ's questionnaire and (laughs) who like add me to this HoneyBook account, please. It is tough. And I mean, I'm 
good with it. That's part of my role is to manage all that. But as the couple, when you're working with several different vendors and each of those vendors has their own systems and their own, exactly what you said, questionnaires. And when are we supposed to be meeting with these vendors? And, or do we, are we, are we supposed to have a meeting? Are we not supposed to have a (laughs) meeting? When are my payments due? When is this questionnaire due to them? Everybody works (laughs) on a different timeline and a different schedule Mm. me as planner there are some vendors who i can reach out to months and months and months in advance and we can talk about all kinds of different details and get a lot of things hashed out whereas there's others that really until a month out sometimes a week out there's information that they just they're not sure because they're not working on that wedding yet everybody Mm. has a different process depending on how you are as a couple you're probably going to gravitate towards different vendors. I know I have one couple in particular, Dan, that you and I are both working with who they love like a quick reply. Mm -hmm. They are people that value that type of communication and you can tell and they start to get a little bit nervous when it's like, hey, this person isn't getting back. So we go, okay, let's follow up with that person. And they're good. They understand there's like a human element to it, but that's in their nature that they they look at those sort of things. Mm -hmm. I have other couples where I have to follow up with them a few times to (laughs) say like, hey, that email I sent you two weeks ago, it's, I eventually needed an answer on it, making sure you saw it. Yeah. And then, and they go, oh yeah, that's right. But you know, everybody, everybody takes a different approach to it. And I think we tend to like gravitate towards uh, similar processes with it, but Mm. my heart does go out to couples sometimes because it sometimes is a lot. And I think we as vendors work really hard on honing our own processes and making sure that we're able to get all the information we need from our clients. But sometimes that user experience for the client isn't always taken into account. I can't tell you how many times I send out a timeline and has a whole bunch of information. And I ask the vendor to say like, hey, if you have any questionnaires, either feel free to send them to me first and I can give them a quick pass to either fill out all the information or please take a look at this timeline so that you can already pre-fill in a lot of this information for the couple so that they aren't doing all this extra work. Because when I send out a timeline with, my timelines are very comprehensive. (laughs) And, (laughs) oh, you don't have to laugh like that about it. Very comprehensive, she says. (laughs) Yes. Yes, they are very. I like that any information you possibly could need is on there. But to me, it's like, if then they send a questionnaire like with very basic questions being asked, it's like we really could have probably saved a little bit of time here. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand though also sometimes it's just a matter of reviewing, making sure all that's there. I don't know. It's it's a tricky balance, but from a vendor standpoint, it's it's important that we remember that these couples are filling it out repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And I guess on the flip side, from the couple standpoint, know that as vendors, we are working with many different couples and we want to make sure that we have all of your details specifically accurate. So yeah. What do you think about when, so I I sort of loathe questionnaires because I feel like so Mm -hmm. much of what could be done and I can get a deeper response if I'm just sitting across the table. So, so my final like wedding details and my sort of like timeline, like what time I'm showing up and, you know, the photos they want and the family formals and all stuff that happens like in person. And the only thing I want, yeah, for me. um, And the only thing that I want them to do is like, if they're going to write names and groupings down, that's what is appropriate, I think, to do on questionnaire. So my question is for you, because you see so many different things. What do you think about when it's almost like love languages? It's like how- (laughs) yes. It's like, can can a couple request 
to do something differently, right? Like, I like I don't think it's wrong to ever like be like, hey, can we hop on the phone to hash this out? Or because we have a couple of questions, but then there's no paper trail, and it's like, and there's also businesses that are multiple different people, and there's lots of different like maybe there's different DJs or multiple photographers, so you might be talking with only a office manager or something like that. But this is a very general question; it's not gonna be able to fit. But like, what do you think about that? Because some people, it's like. It's excruciating to sit behind a questionnaire and fill out all of this stuff. Yeah. It's kind of like homework, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think- Who likes homework? It, um, me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me push up my glasses on my nose. <laughs> I do like homework. This is where personalities vary. Yeah. I'm a person who likes knowing what information you need from me. And has time to think of a clear, concise answer to give to you. I can't always give a person that if we're, you know, just talking back and forth. Or mm. I get like if I'm the person, um, if I'm a client in that situation, or I will get nervous after the fact of saying like, oh, shoot, did I did I say all I wanted to say? Did I cover everything? Did I cover all the details I wanted to cover? That's that's who that's my personal personality. That's who I am as I navigate the world yeah. with all my hopes and dreams and anxieties. So I think it just depends on what your personalities are and what the cup what the vendors is. But overall, I'm more of the camp that I think it's usually to your benefit to at least try to work with the systems that your vendor is laying out for you because right. something about that has worked for them in the past. And if they're a vendor that's been around for a bit of time, has really good reviews, there's a there's a honing to that system that has happened yeah. to make it as good as it possibly can at this stage in their business. So honoring and respecting that, I think, is usually the best way to lead forward. But if you are struggling with it or it's causing, you know, undue stress or it's causing anxiety or you're just like you're just struggling to like fill something out, I don't think it's wrong to just be human and say, hey, I'm having a hard time with this. Could we hop on the phone for a few minutes or for 20 minutes or whatever it is? Yeah. Set that expectation correctly to just kind of talk through it because I'm not clear what you're asking or I just uh, I'm I'm struggling with how to answer this. And yeah. I, I think that's very fair. But. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I think it's good. Like, like I, you're right. I have honed my experience over the years to be like, all right, this last questionnaire or this last you know meeting is much better if I do it in person versus trying to get some of these important things, uh, important questions from you on a questionnaire. And so, mm -hmm. if somebody only wanted to do a questionnaire, that would freak me out a little bit. <laughs> um, or if they didn't want to meet for that last one, that would be tricky for me. Um, right. So I feel you. That was a good, a very. Uh, appropriate response that really towed the line between like what everybody needs. I think it was good. Anyway. Um, Thanks, Dan. Yeah. So, okay. I think there's like one final bit of communication that most of us would want, at least I love, and that's after the wedding. And these bits of communication are in the form of reviews. What do you think about reviews? Oh, I love reviews so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I love nice ones. I've only ever gotten one bad review in my life. And it was a really funny one, so it made me laugh. It was not with anybody I worked with. Um, it was somebody that I reached out to at the beginning. Um, well, they reached out to me, and after a few things, I was like, I don't think we're the best fit, but here are some other folks. Um, and they left me a mean review saying I wouldn't work with them. And I was like, I just didn't think we would. 
good fit and I tried to match you up with better people. So I just think that's always, you know, uh, it makes me smile every time I see it because I'm proud of like younger me for being like, mm, that wasn't a good fit. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, reviews. I love reviews. I think that it is one of the most heart filling things any couple can do for me after the wedding happens. I have some couples that leave me a review the night of their wedding, which blows me away, is so not expected. Go do other funner things than than hop on Google. And then I have others that it's like months after. Either way, it makes Mm -hmm. me smile and makes me so over the moon happy. So to me, if if a vendor has done a really good job As a small business, those reviews help us so much. I think if you're having the opposite experience where maybe there there was a little bit of a breakdown, something didn't happen quite as planned, before jumping to leaving a negative review, I would say that try to have a private conversation first as that's usually the better way to resolve things and a more healthy way for everybody to kind of navigate it um, in a way that produces results that make everybody happy versus just kind of blasting people online but yeah. in terms of the like nice happy reviews i am all for it you like you have reviews i'm like over a hundred reviews at this point and every time it just makes me it makes me so happy to see yeah, that i just got my hundredth on wedding wire and um, nice <laughs> i'm i'm very thankful that like many of them are like novels uh of yeah. couples like writing but especially like in the the sort of covid era like 2019 through 2022 um, mm-hmm. yeah, they are, they're spectacular because after the wedding, it's really easy to just sort of get back into life and like the wedding sort of fades away and all like those other things, like, you know, checking boxes of reviews and all that stuff sort of fall away. And so whenever I mm-hmm. see one come through, it's like just a little affirmation of like, yep, like this is what I'm, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm here, you know, supposed to be doing. So yes. put that on your post-wedding calendar for like maybe, you know, a month or two after. Yeah. Do it on like, maybe not the plane to the honeymoon, but you know, there's like find little pockets of time where you can sit down. I think so much of what, well, I can't speak for everybody, but I know I can speak for you and I when I say this, Dan. So much of what we do is pouring our heart, our soul, every last bit of sweat and blood and all these things into a day for a couple and to have it be received well and and even just notice that like hey that person really did a great job or made us feel great on our wedding day or produced this really wonderful service or product and we're really thankful for it i mean chances are that's probably how you found that vendor initially Mm -hmm. was through reading some of those reviews and feeling like okay i got it not to say is you need to like um uh, you know, beef them up and give them a big head about anything, but <laughs> just sharing your experience and sharing what you appreciated and what you liked and what, what helped you is tremendously helpful and always so incredibly appreciated on the small business end of things. So, All right, Danielle, would you like to take us out? I would. I love talking about this stuff, but here we go. All right. The Put a Ring on It podcast is co-hosted by wedding planner Danielle Pasternak and photographer Daniel Moyer, both based out of the greater Philadelphia area. The show is produced by DPNAC Events, along with Daniel Moyer Photography. Find us on Instagram at Put a Ring on It podcast, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Finally, thank you so much for all of your messages, love, and your support. We're here and always have been cheering for you every step of the way. Until next time, ringers. 